Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another week of College Football Pod Talk. This is your co-host, Easton. And Josh. And we want to thank you for listening to another week of us. Uh, we had a pretty exciting college week of football, didn't we, Josh? Oh, they're, every week's exciting. You know, yeah. It's fun to watch these teams beat up on each other. We're in the, we're in the meat of the schedule. Yeah, definitely. A lot of conference play, a lot of good teams playing against each other. There's quite a few upsets, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, if you guys want to hit us up for comments, questions, or concerns, please hit us up at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. Josh with the Twitter. We got that Twitter at CFB Pod Talk. Very nice. Yeah, so like I said before, it was a pretty exciting week of college football. But let's start off with the non-Big Five. Uh, Cincinnati was hosting number 18 UCF in an impressive defensive performance. The Cincinnati Bearcats upset number 18 UCF at home 27-24 to and ended the Knights' 19-game conference win streak and a 13-game win streak against Cincinnati dating back all the way back to ni- 2009. Depth in Cincinnati secondary helped keep the guys fresh against the high-powered UCF offense. In the third quarter, there was a game-changing pick-six by freshman corner Ahmad Gardner, which really killed all UCF momentum and ultimately gave Cincinnati the win. The youth at the QB position starting to show for UCF. How can you see them adjusting in the future, Josh? Oh, UCF needs to needs to get it back and start just pushing the ball harder and faster. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel Milton McKenzie is missed right now? Oh, for sure. That experience that experience that they had with him, you know, being a being a longtime starter, they're missing it. I mean, what I did like is this Cincinnati team, the Cincinnati crowd as well. Oh yeah, blackout. The blackout. Yeah, that you know, was pretty coming awesome. into the blackout. I always like it when teams do that. I what I don't like is. That they rush the field after the game. Yeah, well, you got to understand, they've been losing to him since 2009 when half these kids were just, you know, little children. So, you know, it's been 10 years since these guys have been able to, well, I guess these kids were nine years old, but, you know, 10 years since, you know, they were able to beat them. And uh, Dylan Mitt, or excuse me, Dylan Gabriel, the freshman, went 25 for 46, uh, one touchdown. Uh, he went for 297 in the air, but he did have three interceptions, which were very costly versus a stingy Cincinnati defense. But when you're throwing 46 balls in the air, uh, some of those are going to get picked off if you're not throwing it accurately. Yep. Big ups to Cincinnati, though. Yeah, That's definitely. Big win for them. And, you know, they only have one loss on this season anyways, and mm. it's to an Ohio State team. So, yeah. So it's like. You know, they still got a lot ahead of them. This Cincinnati team can get where they want to go. Yeah, I wouldn't sleep on them. They got a pretty solid team. Their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, went 17 for 31, 149 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. But solid game overall by Cincinnati. A second game that was also an upset was Navy actually beat Air Force 34 to 25 and put Malcolm Perry on your radar for Navy because this man is a game changer. As Navy did upset Air Force 34 to 25. Perry, who scored a four-yard touchdown with 23 seconds remaining to put the anchor down on the Air Force's chances of winning. Air Force actually came back and scored 16 unanswered in the fourth quarter to take the lead. Quarterback Malcolm Perry found a way to put it together for 11-play, 75-yard drive to get the W. The key difference of the game was field position. Remember, I talked about the discipline of Armed Forces schools. They had a combined eight penalties the whole game and only one committed by Air Force. It was a very good win by Navy, who isn't known to be a top team in the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. So just remember, this Air Force team has, you know, they played some tough games last year. They played Oklahoma real tough. They played Michigan really tough earlier in this year. Air Force is not a team that, you know, stumbles that often against say lower caliber teams so that's a 
Big win for Navy in this game. Yes, just some stats from Malcolm Perry. This just shows how how different their offense is. He went 5 for 7, 144 yards, and then he rushed 23 times, 111 yards for two touchdowns. So you can tell they're just a pretty much wing tee running offense, and they don't throw the ball very often. So both teams, you know, they keep the ball on the ground a lot. So it was a lot of disciplined play, but it just came to a matter of uh, taking over, and uh, Malcolm Perry did that. But moving on to the ACC, how'd that look? So in the ACC, uh, Virginia Tech gets the victory over Miami 42-35. to If you were going to watch this game the first half, you probably would have turned it off as Virginia Tech went up 21 in the first quarter. At the half, the score was 28-7, and Miami only scored on a Hail Mary touchdown to end the half. Um, Miami was just getting their socks knocked off in this first half of this game. It was all Virginia Tech. Um, everything was going their way in the first half. And the Miami starting quarterback, uh, Williams, actually had three interceptions and got pulled. The only problem is that Virginia Tech let Miami back into the game in the second half. Miami started to score the ball and made it a football game. And they, Miami actually had a chance to take the lead in the fourth, but they missed the extra point. Mm. But in the end, Virginia Tech you know, drove the ball down the field to get the – get a touchdown to get the win. You know, that's a big win for Justin Fuentes. You know, I, I'm that's on your his boy. case. I'm <laughs> on his case. You know, I've been – read about it, and they're already talking buyouts and stuff, so he needs a victory like this. And Manny Diaz looks like he could – you know, he needs to step up and get some victories. Yeah, because they got a tough schedule moving forward as they play Virginia next week, Georgia Tech, Pitt, who's been playing tough. Florida State's been so-and-so, but so it's not going to get any easier for this Miami team. So Manny Diaz, you know, like I said, it is his first year, but this is a high-powered Miami team that they need to start winning these conference games if they want to be competitive moving forward. I will say this is, even though Virginia Tech got the big victory in this game, I don't know if it's enough for the Virginia Tech fans because they were up big in this game and they let Miami back into the game. Yeah, Miami had 21 in the fourth quarter. So so, so if, you, if you're a Virginia Tech fan and you see this happen, you see your team up, you know, 21, 28 points, and then you let a team back into it, you're questioning every decision your coach is making. Look at Josh just leading the torch to get Fuentes fired. Look at you. <laughs> should I should I donate? They got to, the win, Josh. They should, got the win. Should I donate to his buyout? <laughs> I will say I will say the ACC this week must have just been been the league for let, letting teams come back as Pitt did the same thing as Virginia Tech. Pitt got the 33-30 to 30 win over Duke but blew a 23-point lead in the game. Wow. Uh, Pitt needed a 26-yard touchdown pa- pass by Kenny Pickett with under a minute left to win the game. This game was built on turnovers as Duke had a lot of turnovers in the first half that gave Pitt a big lead and then in the second half Pitt was turning the bur- ball over. The Pitt quarterback, Kenny Pickett, finished the game 29-48 of 48 for 268 yards, three t- touchdowns, and two interceptions. Wow. You know, I really like this Duke team, but and I, I, I root for them because of David Cutcliffe, but I wish they would have got that victory. 
Yeah, Quentin Harris, if he's just a little more accurate, you know, I think that could have helped quite a bit. I know he does a lot on the, with his feet, but uh, Pitt, they, like we've been saying in the past, Pitt's been playing tough against everybody. You know, they're a tough team. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past Pitt to, you know, finish strong as they've been having challenging games these past few weeks. So, uh, good game for Pitt, but not so great for David Cutcliffe and Duke. Um, moving on to the Big 12, West Virginia was hosting number 11, Texas. And uh, Sam Ellinger and Texas got their redemption on West Virginia from last year's upset a year ago as they got the win 42-31. to Responsible for four touchdowns, Ellinger had himself a game. The Longhorns defense intercepted West Virginia's quarterback Austin Kelly four times, two of them coming by Deshaun Jameson. This was a much closer game than the final score showed as it was only 21-17 to going into the fourth quarter. This was another solid win for Tom Herman in Texas, and Sam Ellinger only threw his second interception of the season, which has showed that he has taken the ball, uh, taken care of the ball more so than previous years. This is important moving on uh, in conference play, but a very good win for uh, Texas and Sam Ellinger. I agree, and this is, you know, Texas is is by far, in my opinion, the second best team in this conference behind Oklahoma. So, and they need to win games like this. Yeah. Especially after that that Oklahoma or that LSU loss they had early in the season. Definitely. They need to win. You know, I wish they would have won bigger and kind of put more points and kind of blew West Virginia out, uh, but they didn't. But as long as you get the victory, that's all that matters in the end. Yeah, Sam Ellinger, he was he did a lot on the ground also. Nine rushes, 45 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. So he, he puts the team on his back when he needs to. And uh, I remember last year when West Virginia was doing the horns down after they got the W. I think they were uh, Sam Ellinger in Texas was pretty bitter about that. So they came back pretty strong and got the W. Sam Ellinger is a fun quarterback to world, to watch play. You know, he's got a lot of fight in him, so he's that's it makes it great and fun to watch. No, he's an exciting player to watch. The second game we had on our slate for the Big 12 was Baylor was down at Kansas State and Baylor actually got the win 31 to 12. Baylor is now 5 and 0, but the real test is coming in their schedule versus Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, TCU and so much more. So, do you think Baylor can keep this up? Uh, Baylor's probably going to get a couple losses in there, but is, you know, Five and zero is you can't beat that to start the season. Obviously. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, Good job, Josh. You got that big O at the end of that. You you're doing something right. Definitely. So good on Baylor. Yeah. On to the Big Ten. The Big Ten. You know we got Michigan, Iowa. This game was built up to be a great game, and it was a great game. If you're into defense, mm-hmm. uh, this was the game for you. Michigan scored ten points in the first quarter. And that's all they needed to win to win this game in this defense battle. Michigan defense was able to inter- intercept Nathan Stanley three times, recover a fumble, and get eight sacks. They were all over the place. I think this Michigan defense, this is kind of what I thought they were going to be like all year, and it kind of took some time for them to get there. Maybe they're finally getting it together. Uh, Michigan still had its struggles on the offensive side of the ball. They only only scored their, on their first two possessions. The first possession was a field goal, and then a then a touchdown in their second possession. Is that this is something this team will need to work on as they get into the meat of their schedule? You know, do you think this Michigan team might need to make a change at quarterback? Maybe play some Dylan McCaffrey a little more. 
I think so. They need some spark on that offensive side of the ball. But can can you blame this? Uh, this is the Big Ten if you've ever seen it. Just a defensive battle back and forth. This is the old school ground and pound. Got to play defense, but you need some offense to score also. Yep. But did you know Iowa only had one yard rushing the whole game? That's that Michigan defense. That they, That's quite a stat. They're you know. playing incredible. You know, Shea Patterson ended the game 14-26, 147 yards with one interception. Wow. You know, I just think Michigan might need to do something to get this offense rejuvenated. I know Shea Patterson's their guy, but, you know, maybe throw something in the mix. You know, Dylan McCaffrey, when he's come in, I've seen some sparks. And not to say that that's the that's the end end all. Switch the quarterback, and your team's you know going to win everything. But try something. Your offense seems is seems to be struggling real bad. If Michigan wants to keep winning, they're going to have to rely on this defense. The defense is going to have to carry this because, like we've been saying, there's no spark on that offense. And yeah, maybe McCaffrey, but also if you know if that was the case, I think Harbaugh would have put him in already. You know, I don't think they're ready to press the panic button just yet. Uh, I think they'll figure some things out these next few weeks, but they need to figure it out sooner rather than later because uh, it's coming soon. So, yeah, big game. So another big game in the Big Ten was Ohio State and Michigan State. And and this was Ohio State's first test against, say, a caliber team in Michigan State, and they stood their ground and got the 34-10 victory. Justin Fields did what he does Scored two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. But the Ohio State run game kind of just stood out. They seemed unstoppable. J.K. Dobbins, 172 yards on 24 carries. The backup running back, Master Teague, 90 rushing yards on 14 carries. What a cool name. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Master Teague the third. Don't don't forget about it. He'll be stepping in as the starter next year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't have a strong uh, run game defense, it's going to be hard to stop this team. I will say it did take this Ohio State team a little longer to get going as they only scored three points in the first quarter. But in the second second quarter, they scored 24. So they once they got rolling, they were rolling. And the defense, this Ohio State defense is one of the top defenses in college football right now. You know, they held Michigan State to 10 points. You know, they're they're just, they look great. Yeah, they held uh, Michigan State to only 67 yards on the ground while they had 323 yards on the ground. So like you said, you need a good rush defense uh, to stop this Ohio State offense. Um, but also that, like, they're so high-powered, it's very hard to stop. So if you start stop J.K. Dobbins, they have other threats. So it's just a matter of stopping Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and being able to pass on that defense, which is virtually impossible. But and Michigan State was able to show that. But um, when, yeah, when you as, only got ten first half points, you know, you're not, and be able to get shut out that second half. It's it's a big show by Ohio State. As we all know, like in running the ball gives you ball control. You get to eat clock. You keep their defense on the field, just tiring out that other team's defense. You know, Ryan Day is this offensive genius, but he's like. Well, I'm just going to hand the ball off. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins, take the ball. Yeah, keep it simple. 24 carries for 172 yards and one touchdown. J.K. Dobbins is just moshing people. Yeah. So, uh, moving forward, do you think they are going to be the one of the top teams to beat? Are they going to stay at number four? 
you know, I'm excited because they got some tough games left, so we get to get to really watch them. This uh, Ohio State Wisconsin game that we're going to get in a few weeks is going to be incredible. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Incredible. Taylor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Be able to stop. Yeah, that's going to be quite the game to watch. That, that might be the game of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could see that for sure. Moving on to the most frustrating conference in the nation, the Pac-12. Cameron Scarlett was the difference maker for the Cardinals as they upset number 15 Washington in Palo Alto 23-13. Scarlett rushed for a career-high 157 yards and a touchdown versus the Huskies and made life a lot easier for their backup quarterback, Davis Mills, who actually had an impressive game himself replacing K.J. Costello. Cardinals used the time of possession, which was plus 18, to keep Jason Beeson on the sideline, and it made the Cardinals get that win. The Cardinals even had to go to their third-string quarterback in the fourth to finish the game. The Huskies now fall to their second unranked team this season. Huskies had a solid chance to move up in the rankings since Iowa's lost to Michigan uh, this past weekend, but ended up leaving, potentially leaving the rankings. Should UW be worried going into the com- more conference play? They do play U of A down at uh, Arizona next week. Uh, yeah, UW should be worried because they seem to be hot one week and then struggle the next week. You know, little side note on this. Oregon State in the Pac-12 actually has a has less losses in the Pac-12 than both, both Washington and Washington State. Dumb stat. Who cares? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just saying. Yeah, no. It's, Oregon it's, State. Yeah, no, definitely. Who was supposed to be the bottom of the barrel of the Pac-12. But yeah, uh, Jacob Eason had a very subpar game going 16 for 36, 206, one touchdown, one pick. And I've been on the hype train of Jacob Eason. You know, I've been hyping him up, and this is coming from a Coug. So uh, he hasn't been impressive versus, you know, a Stanford who's very depleted. They had quite a few guys down, um, even on offense, you know. So wasn't a very good game. The only guy who did really well was Aaron Fuller, their wide receiver, nine receptions, 171. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty impressive game for their uh um, by Cameron Scarlett, the running back for the Cardinals. He had 33 rushes, 151 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, yeah, very impressive by and him. And on top of that, Stanford went down to Orlando a few weeks ago and got whipped oh, yeah. by UCF. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's kind of blowing my mind? How many teams are getting into a th- their third-string guy at quarterback position? Yeah, Especially you got to have some depth. In the Pac-12, and it, you know Florida's doing it in the SEC. Mm-hmm. They, their third string quarterback got in yeah. in the ball game. Well, even if it's not injury, it may be bl- bad play. So a lot of play uh, quarterbacks are getting a lot of playing time, and I wonder if that may be in tune also with the, the transfer portals with all these quarterbacks transferring. Do you think that kind of goes in play with like, hey man, we'll give you some playing time? Yeah, our starting quarterback's been playing subpar, but hey, we'll let you in the mix. Rather you sit on the bench and you'd be upset that you're not playing and potentially leave our school so coaches got to think in a different mindset now they definitely will you know obviously with the stanford situation quarterback got hurt but you know they're down to the third string but um yeah good win for stanford uh as u-dub couldn't finish down in palo alto and uh they've had some struggles down there over the past few years yeah so. u-dub and u-dub needs to figure it out on the season yeah because um, they're you know these two losses to two teams that you probably shouldn't have lost to yeah, their uh, run defense has been very like challenging. That's I think that's their biggest weakness so far. And uh, 
you know, I think a lot of teams are starting to expose them. So if they start a little more ground and pound and bring an eight into the box and start making tackles, uh, they can turn their season around. But it's pretty interesting how these Huskies are losing to these non, uh, non-ranked teams, and uh, especially with their expectations for this season. Moving forward, and an uncommon theme for number 13, Oregon. They were scoreless at halftime, but ultimately won the game against Cal 17-7. Cal had a 7-0 lead midway through the game. It wasn't until a minute and 38 seconds left in the third quarter that Oregon scored their first touchdown. Future first-round pick Justin Herbert extended his touchdown streak to 33 games with a pass touchdown to Jalen Red midway through the fourth. This was a closer game than most people expected as Oregon was the host and looked strong early this season offensively. Cal, uh, excuse me, Cal played their backup quarterback as Chase Garber suffered an injury last week. Devin Monster, their backup quarterback, threw for 190 yards and a touchdown versus the Ducks. Should the Ducks actually be worried about their late and lack of offense moving forward in the Pac-12? I don't think they need to worry because they got a, they got a two-game lead on everybody in the North. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a two-game lead, and you got a, a very talented quarterback that you know seems to get you a victory, even though they didn't score a ton of points in this game. Their defense was strong, and they they scored enough to get the victory. Yeah, Justin Herbert, 20 for 33, 214, one touchdown. He did throw an interception, um, but versus a very strong Cal defense, you know. So let's not, you know, give a lack of credit to the Cal defense because they've been playing strong this whole year and beat UW earlier on this season. So that's what they're led by is that strong defense. And Chase Garber is not a bad quarterback, but he unfortunately he wasn't able to play that game. So. No, and, and I and I kind of see this as the Pac-12 playing for a Rose Bowl. I don't see them getting into the college football no, playoffs. I see that out of so the question. I see that as Oregon's goal on the year. I mean, the coach might tell them that they're still playing for a playoff position, and it, maybe things fall their way and they get in. But right now, like looking at outside in, I see Oregon playing for a Rose Bowl and not a playoff spot. I, I can agree with that, especially how dep- how bad the Pac-12 is looking. If he, even if Oregon goes undefeated, the rest of the Pac-12, I still, you know, I, it'd be hard for them to qualify for those top four spots, especially with their strength or lack of strength of schedule. The second and last, second to last game we had uh, in the Pac-12. Excuse me, the last game we had in the Pac-12 was Arizona going to Colorado. Now let me tell you, Khalil Tate loves Colorado, but this is not because he's from there or loves the scenery, but because he always has a game versus the Buffaloes. His previous two meetings include breaking the FBS record for rushing yards in a game by a quarterback with 327 yards. And last year, he threw for five touchdowns at home versus the Buffaloes in a shootout. This game was no different as it came down to the wire, a game where there was nine lead changes. University of Arizona came out with a win, 35-30. to This was one of the most exciting games of the weekend as it included some quick back-to-back touchdown throws that both took around 10 seconds each. And some huge stops by the goal line uh, by the Arizona defense, which was a big fourth down stop and a goal line stop, which really helped Arizona get the W. Not to discredit Colorado, who was extremely beaten up by the start without their starting uh, wide receiver, LaVisca Scholnault, and about five of their starters on defense. But they still showed up um, and played a pretty competitive game versus this uh, Arizona team. This is another big win for Sumlin, who was starting to get some grasp on that on this Pac-12 play. Do you see University of Arizona being a competitive team in the Pac-12 and being a potential Pac-12 championship 
champion within the next five years? Why not this year? Yeah? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah definitely. They, they have one loss on the season, and it's to a Hawaii team. So they haven't lost any games in the Pac-12. That is correct. And, so, and a, a Pac-12 uh, Hawaii team who also beat Oregon State. And, yeah. uh, who else did they beat? They, they're 3-0 or 2-0? Oh? I think they're 2-0. They're 2-0. Oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Or 2-1. I think two and they one. lost that's right. That's right. UW. Yeah, that's right. So, so they still have potential to get... I mean, that's what you're playing to get where you want to go, right? Yeah, definitely. Which is, the first thing is the conference championship. Get there, and you're golden. Yeah, you're right. Like you said, Arizona still has a chance. But Khalil Tate, I think he's back to his Heisman quote-unquote form. Uh, He went 31 for 41, 404 yards, three touchdowns. He had one interception. Uh, He didn't rush the ball as much. He had only had four rushes for 23 yards. But a solid game by Khalil Tate, and he might be back in his uh, Heisman form. And Kevin Sumlin, I think, is letting him play his ball again. Got that whisper in the ear, and they're finally communicating good and playing good football. Good good for both of them. Yeah, they're definitely on the same page. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Colorado, they did really well. Steven Montez, 28 for 42, 299 yards and a touchdown. One of their wide receivers who took over, he had his name's Tony Brown, had ten receptions for 141 yards. So Good on pretty Tony. solid game for Colorado, but they just couldn't finish strong versus Arizona. And once again, a solid game for uh, uh, University of Arizona and uh, someone. So let's jump into the SEC where we had Florida and Auburn. This was a great game. Florida gets the 24 to 13 victory at home against Auburn, but man, this was a tight game. Both defense in this game showed up. Uh, they were points were hard to come by. It seemed like there was a lot of broken plays where that's led to the team scoring the ball. At half, the score was seventeen to thirteen, and only one t- one touchdown was scored after half, and that was Florida's eighty-eight yard run by Piron in the fourth quarter to break it open. You know the the Florida defense kept kept freshman quarterback. Bo Nix in check as he was 11 of 27 for 145 yards, and and he had three interceptions, and they had three interceptions of him. Kyle Task of the Florida uh, Florida Gators was 19 of 31, 234 yards with two TDs. That Florida team, Dan Mullen has this Florida team playing some some inspired football. Yeah, they're playing really well. Especially together. after Franks went down and. When Franks went down, they were in jeopardy of losing that game to Kentucky. Yeah, and yeah. Kyle Task came in and kind of almost like sparked this team and turned turned them around. I mean, the Florida defense has been playing great all year. They're they're a defense you don't want to face. Yeah, Florida actually had a scare when Trask went down, and he had a he has a slight MCL. Sp- uh, sprain, but he should be fine the fall uh, moving forward. But scary moment for Florida as yep. they may have gone down to their third string quarterback. But solid win for Florida moving forward in the SEC and a big win versus a pretty solid Auburn team. Uh, but like we said with the Bo Nix, you know that youth would show eventually, and it showed with those three interceptions. Well, and that might not be. That's more than likely not going to be the only loss for Auburn, as they still have a lot of tough games yeah, to play. They got the toughest schedule against some tough defenses. So, you know, I feel bad for Bo Nix because he's got to face Georgia here in a few weeks, yeah. too. Georgia's legit. Yeah. they got to face Bama, hope, of course. I hope he's ready. <laughs> Bama's legit. And LSU. So, Bo Nix has got it cut out. Let's let's go to a, to a Washington State team that didn't have a game, but did y'all have any big news this week? 
Actually, we did. Yes, uh, Tracy Clays, who was our defense coordinator, actually resigned this week um, following giving up about 56 points a game the past two weeks of conference play. So he recently resigned, and we have a interim defense coordinator right now. So uh, as we look for our new defense coordinator, but uh, Leach even said he was surprised by this re- resignation, as uh, he he didn't know that he didn't want to uh, no longer be with the Cougs. So, um, well, big loss for the Cougs, but also at the same time, we may see a positive change from it. Um, but yeah, we do need some changes on defense, but I'm surprised, you know, the defense coordinator took the responsibility for it, uh, and, uh, resigned. So hopefully that gives your defense a little inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. To, uh, to say, step it up. Yeah. Play, play a little D, play we, a little we harder. Need, we need something. Sometimes yeah. D is about willpower and, and want, so you got to want it. Yeah, and you gotta have an inspirational man behind that. So if you ain't got the right person in in play, then uh, you're not gonna be very inspired as a player. So Ole Miss did play a game this week, and it was the freshman show. Uh, we started John Rouse Premley, a freshman at quarterback, and he ran ran away with the game. Ole Miss got the 31 to six victory. Plum Plumley only threw for 99 yards, but he ran for 165 and a Ooh. touchdown. Ely, a true freshman. Um, Ely and Connor, two true freshmen, also got TDs on huge runs. One was for 78 yards and another one was 84 yards. Ole Miss ran the ball for 413 yards. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was nice to see a run game like this because I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, you know, and it, what I also liked was we kept a team under six points. So mm-hmm. things like that I like to see. You know, moving forward, I think Ole Miss needs to put more, get more through the air, because I don't think you, you know, we don't have the luxury of just being a run team only. So. And that was going to be my next question. How do you feel about this offense? It's much different than the uh, AJ Browns DJ or DK Metcalf offense where we're slinging the ball in the air. So yeah. how do you feel about it? You know, I I think you have to be somewhat even. Yeah, you can't, definitely. You know, some teams get away with this air raid. And it's great for them. Mm, yeah, uh, at, at times. <laughs> but I think I think you got to be pretty even. So I want I want the even flow. So it, I don't want to be strictly run, you know. But do you feel like you need the right quarterback in place though? Because you guys did switch quarterback with this uh, John Reese Plumley. So yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be fun to see moving forward. He Plumley has seemed to spark this team. Yeah, he's but, athletic. He is very athletic. He plays baseball. Okay. And he's a baseball player as well. So I, you know, I just want to see what they do moving forward because we're going to play tougher defenses, defenses that are better against the run. So you know, only time will tell. Yeah, I yeah, I can't argue that for sure. So let's go into surprising games. You know, one game I want to point out is Minnesota and Illinois. Not not the fact the game was surprising. Minnesota got a forty to seventeen victory over Illinois. It's just that Minnesota's five and zero. Yeah, very surprising. Not getting a lot of talk. This is yeah. PJ Fleck, who was a yeah. huge coach, young a few coach. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 definitely a player coach. I think he's one of those people that you know players get behind. And you know when you got a coach like that, that's one you want to keep around because when things get tough. They want to rally behind that coach, and you know if they're not playing for each other, they're going to be playing for that coach. So it's really awesome to see that they're five and zero, and more people uh, better step it up and realize who they're playing against because uh, Minnesota better be on people's radar. So another thing, we got a uh, a comment from a listener this week. 
he was mad that uh, we weren't talking about his Wisconsin team because they're doing so great this year. Wisconsin, you know, last week didn't play a great team. They played Northwestern, and this week they played Kent. They got the 48-0 victory over Kent. And just just for record, Jonathan Taylor had himself a game, 19 carries, 186 yards, four rushing touchdowns, and one receiving touchdown. Jonathan Taylor crushed it. Didn't again. he have like three to four touchdowns in the first quarter or something it, like that? I mean, it's, it's the Jonathan Taylor show. Yeah, he's a beast. The kid is, kid is insane. Uh, let's jump into a, kind of a new segment we're going to test out. So let's, you know, tell us some stat leaders on the year. Yeah, so I'll go on passing. You talk about a little bit of rushing. Or let's do vice versa. I'll talk about some rushers. Uh, So the number one rusher in this uh, country right now is Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State with just over 1,000 yards uh, with uh, 1094 uh, right behind, and then right behind him is J.K. Dobbins of Oklahoma State with 826, and then tied for third and fourth is Jonathan Taylor with 745. So you know a pretty solid, uh, pretty close battle. But Chuba Hubbard's really rushing the ball for Oklahoma State, a team who's usually known for passing. So pretty interesting to see that a solid passing team is uh, lead has the leading rusher in the nation. So you go with your stars. Yeah, definitely. What about the passing? What's it looking like? So passing, I think we got one guy in number one that you might know. We're well, Anthony Gordon. Air Gordon. So two is Joe Burrow. That surprised me. LSU is up there. Yeah. You remember when those quarterbacks used to be game managers? Oh, we're, we're very athletic. <laughs> we're more of a running offense. Yeah. Um, they have changed. Coach O has changed this team around, and they score points now. Yeah, it's a different team. Uh, number three is John Westink uh, at Western Michigan. And then four is Tua at Bama. Mm-hmm. So new segment we're going to test out. We're going to yeah, see definitely. how it goes. So let's get into our games next week. So in the non-Big Five, we have Temple is hosting Memphis. And Memphis is 5-0 and and Temple is 4-1. and This should be a pretty good game. Could they upset Temple at home? I think Memphis is a legit team this year, so you know I think it's always a chance. Yeah, definitely, it'd be a solid one. What about the ACC? How does that look? ACC, we got Virginia at home against Miami. Miami's been struggling of late. They need mm-hmm. a big victory. Yeah, UVA looks pretty solid too. They're not a team you want to play with. As Perkins, their quarterback's pretty solid as a dual threat. You know, I got, and then I got Clemson hosting Florida State. I just want to see what Clemson does after this bye week. Clemson yeah. has not looked. Strong. They don't look like the top team in the or they're number two now. Yeah. So So in Florida State Florida State is always iffy. You never know what you're gonna get. Could you imagine if Willie Taggart got an upset versus Clemson? How 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 his his trajectory would change for him as a quarter or as a coach for Florida State? They might not be selling lemonade for the buyout. (laughs) Oh no, no, they'd be selling lemonade to him to keep him there. In the Big 12, we have Texas hosting Oklahoma. Now, this is a game you guys need to be watching. This one should be on your radar as Texas and Oklahoma are big, tough teams. Solid quarterbacks, the Jalen Hurts show versus the Sam Ellinger. Who do you who do you got for this game? Oh, I'm going Oklahoma. Going Oklahoma, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And well, this game is actually in Dallas. I mean, it is. So, it's it is a home Mutual, game for Texas, yeah. but it's. In the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of Oklahoma fans will be in that stand. How many com- combined points do you think are going to be scored this game? 
let's see. I'm, I'm guessing over 60. Over 60. So no defense, a lot of offense. Here's the thing. Do you think it's going to beat the LSU-Texas game in points? Uh, LSU plays better defense now, I think. But, uh, shoot, Oklahoma really needs to step up, have some sort of defense. I I could see Texas winning this game simply because Oklahoma doesn't play defense at all. So that's going to be the biggest uh, challenge for Lincoln Riley and the rest of the company. What about the second team in the Big 12? So we got Baylor at home facing Texas Tech. You know, Baylor's 5-0 and on the season. So this is, you know, we want to see if they can keep this win factory going. Yeah, Texas Tech is not a team you want to play with and uh, wouldn't want to us underestimate them. Who are you watching in the Big Ten? Wisconsin is hosting Michigan State. Now Wisconsin's in, they've been running all over everybody. So is Michigan State going to be able to stop Jonathan Taylor? Well, Michigan State just got all run over by Ohio State, so <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But I'm saying if, if that's going to be the strength, you know, if you knew as a defense you got ran all over, you know you're going against Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor the next week, you better be ready uh, with some uh, ground and pound and uh, some run defense. How tough is that? you got to face J.K. J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins <laughs> one week and then Jonathan Taylor the next week. Oh, yeah. That's tough. Yeah, that D-Lyman's, those D-Lyman and linebackers going to have a day. Another game we're going to watch – Iowa at home facing Penn State. Iowa just lost. You know, now they got to turn it around. And yeah, they, they need to bounce back win. Face Penn State. Penn State is, hasn't lost this year. And yeah. Penn State's looking real good. We haven't talked about Penn State a whole lot, but they've looked good. Yeah, definitely. On to the Pac-12. We have the annual game of Notre Dame and USC. Uh, Notre Dame's always looked solid this whole year. Uh, their defense has been the lead run. Uh, what kind of game are we going to get from Ian Book? As USC, they look you know so-so as they've been back and forth with their second and third string quarterbacks. So it should be interesting to see what type of game USC is going to play versus a pretty solid Notre Dame team this year. You know, I'm speaking for the Pac-12 in general. You guys kind of need this victory. Bad, yes. But it is a pretty solid Notre Dame it's, team. But, and it's not like USC is the top. They're uh, very good. Yeah. It's a very good Notre Dame team. Yeah, USC is not the cream of the crop of the Pac-12 anymore. And Notre so. Dame seems to be playing inspired football ever since that Georgia loss. Too. Yeah, most, so yeah. it's going to be hard, hard victory if you if USC gets it. But Pac-12 just needs a statement victory, non-conference victory like this. Yeah, definitely. I think a really solid game you guys should watch in the Pac-12 is UW is going down to Arizona. Now, Arizona's look solid. Their only loss, like you said, is versus Hawaii. And UW, they have two losses versus non-ranked teams. So can UW bounce back and have a solid game versus Arizona? Or is Kevin Sumlin and Khalil Tate going to go off in the desert? It, It should be a pretty solid game, but... Who knows? This could be a preview of the... No, this isn't. Never mind. Oregon, <laughs> no disrespect, Huskies. Yeah, Oregon's going to take the North. So I was going to say a preview of that, but no, that's not the So case. in the SEC, we got we got Texas A&M at home facing Alabama. You know, this Texas A&M team has played a lot of tough games already mm-hmm. this season. This is, Alabama hasn't played a whole lot of tough teams yet, so I'm just throwing this one out. This will be fun to watch. Yeah, it might be a game you get to watch Tua play a whole four quarters in. So And then... Florida, back-to-back really tough games. Florida at home against LSU. At least they're in the swamp. You know, you know LSU is a solid team. So if if Florida can bring some, you know, some pressure on Joe Burrows, maybe they can have a chance. But I just see LSU. They're solid this year, man. They look like a really good team. This and is, they actually play some defense. This so. is by, hard, by far probably 
the game. I think I think Florida's better than Texas, or at least the Florida defense is better than Texas. So this could mm-hmm. give Joe Burrow something than something to fight for. Oh, for sure. Who your boys got this week? Well, Washington and Washington State is going down to the desert as we're playing Arizona State, the Sun Devils. Uh, the Cougs really need a solid win, a win in the Pac-12. We're 0-2 in the Pac-12 right now, bottom of the barrel. Uh, we, we need this bad. We need a bounce-back win. Arizona State plays solid defense, so uh, if they can stop the air raid, who knows? I It can be a, a good game back and forth, and Arizona State's quarterback's good, and Herm Edwards, man. We this, talked about him early. The He's, Pac-12 scheduler on this one. What a what a you know <laughs> sending both Washington schools down to Arizona yeah, same week. Definitely, as it's cold as hell in the Northwest. So y'all gonna charter the same flight? I yeah. Would, oh I man, I'd <laughs> like to be on that flight. No, for real. So who do you guys got? We're facing Missouri at Missouri. You know, it'd be great to get this win. Kelly, Kellen Bryant, Kelly Bryant, Kelly Bryant. Just uh, looks like he might be injured. He, yeah, he, got he might hit be out for the, the season. leg. So we'll see who we have to face at the quarterback position. Yeah, which could make it easier. I, n- I never root for injuries like no, that. No, definitely. Uh, but, but it does help Old Miss. Yeah, it does know. help Old Miss. Not to say I don't. I don't know. But, even if we get this victory, I don't know if we'll go bowling. But but who's Missouri's backup? That's the thing. Yeah. It's don't sleep on the backups. We were just talking about I that. Those backups true. are ready to play. So. Well, all they got better. they got Derek Dooley as their offensive coordinator. Okay. He's a great he's a great uh, offensive coordinator and great QB whisperer. So who's who do you think starting at quarterback is Reese uh, Plumley going to get a second start? John Rouse Plumley. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know it it looks like the team might be moving forward with him. Yeah. Just because of the spark he's given the team, but. To be honest, I kind of want to see a little bit of both quarterbacks. Still. And you're rushing over 100 yards, and I, like you just said, I think it'd be cool to have both guys in there, you know, just to give a different look to that defense. Well, so. just, Matt Corral is say more of more of a little passer, just to see what he does. Maybe and maybe Matt Corral will learn that he needs to to run the ball a little more too, because yeah. he came in as a dual threat guy. He yeah. just seems to be the throw first, run second guy, and maybe he needs to turn his thinking around and kind of run first more. Well, when you see your backup come in and rush for 100-some-odd yards, I think uh, that'll put a spark in your brain to start running the ball a little bit more if you want to get your starting position back. So We will see. It should be a fun week, though. Yeah, it's a lot of exciting football this week, so make sure you tune into all the solid games. Uh, and if you guys, like I said in the uh, earlier, if you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, please hit us up at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. Josh with the Twitter. CFB Pod Talk. Hit us up. Yeah, appreciate the love and support. Listen to us every week. Peace. On that note, we're out.